What's going on everybody? This is Malik Prince from Team Xbox and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. goodness welcome one welcome all to episode 57 of the xbox expansion pass recorded on sunday november 8th 2020 i am your host luke lore the insipid ghost in this episode we discuss standout memories from this xbox one generation of games there's word of new mass effects on the horizon and later in the episode we'll welcome dealer gaming host of YouTube's largest Xbox-specific show, on to discuss his hands-on time with the Xbox Series X. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XCP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse, as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I want to offer a quick word of thanks to those who made my gaming week better, and let's be real, it has been a tumultuous week, no matter who you are, where you are. Uh, it has been strange to say, with the elections in the United States this past week, I know I didn't get much sleep, much rest, or any respite from uh, the existential dread that was setting in, and video games continue to be an outlet and a resource for calming the nerves. And I was welcomed this past Saturday evening onto the Gaming Perspective podcast, and goodness gracious, I had a great time chatting with Nicholas Downey, Eric J. Sam Tolbert and Jared Adinio. Uh, Adino? Sorry, Jared, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but I had so much fun talking to you. It was good to just talk about games with the weight of the elections behind us and finding out that we are going to have a bit of respite from the frustrations that come or that came from the Trump administration in the United States. And a comfortable reminder that gaming is a safe space for any and all people. Uh, and that while all rights matter, not all rights have been fairly and well represented. And that, that includes the political landscape. And I will comfortably say that I can breathe a, a sigh of relief knowing that uh, brighter times are ahead for sure. And we can get a lot of things back on track to bring gaming back on track. Uh, you you got to fix the real world first. And so uh, I will tell you what, I had a great time on the Gaming Perspective Show chatting about video games of all types. Many of the topics we'll be covering in this episode but really and truly, I'm breathing a sigh of relief in the real world. And uh, make no mistake, I, on this ep- on this show, rather, you will find that I will, will actively and openly state that black lives matter, that black trans lives matter, accessibility matters, that any and all people deserve representation. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll be short-lived, but for now, there's a, there's a sense of optimism going into this next gen that things in the real world will let us enjoy this gaming world just a bit more. Well, to say nothing else, there's a renewed sense of optimism for a lot of people in the Mass Effect community. You see what I did there? November 7th, N7 Day brought word of Mass Effect remasters. Announced on this N7 Day, Bioware told fans of the Mass Effect series that there were remastered versions of Mass Effect, Mass Effect 2, and Mass Effect 3 that would be compiled together into a collection and available for Xbox One, PS4, and PC, and that it will have forward compatibility with targeted enhancements for Series X and the PlayStation 5. It's been dubbed the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and it's going to include all the single-player base content and DLC from Mass Effect, Mass Effect 2, and Mass Effect 3. That includes promo weapons, armors, and packs, and all of it will be remastered to 4K Ultra HD. 
And my goodness, I know there is a huge or massive Mass Effect community out there. And my, my shout out to you. When I think about Mass Effect, it's a series that missed me. I've often talked about this being a blind spot for me. And I often tease my good friend Kevin Butler about it because he loves Mass Effect. Uh, this remaster looks like the time to let me in. I was a I was not into RPGs at the time. It really took Kingdoms of Amalur and then The Witcher 3 to teach me how to absorb and properly play RPGs. And that means that I really missed out on a lot of the best of what Mass Effect had to offer. Best I could tell you is that I dabbled in Mass Effect 3, but even then it did not click at the time. And this remaster collection, this legendary edition as it were, offers hope that I might be able to get into this incredible franchise that Bioware has created and that so many people revel uh, revel in and have so much reverence for. I'm stoked to have an opportunity to try this out in the best ways. Indeed, it has been available via Back and Pat with X enhancements, but I think there's going to be something special about reducing some of those load times and tackling some of the more optimized versions. Now, when I say remaster, be careful not to take that as remake. Uh, Vice President uh, and Studio GM of Bioware, Casey Hudson, has said that the team's goal was to remake, uh, was not to remake or reimagine the original games, just to modernize the experience so that new players could experience the original work in its best possible form. I, I, I heed those words because I have been burned in the past by my own misgivings or misunderstandings taking a remaster to be a remake, and those things are not the same by any means. I played Kingdoms of Amalur, the remaster, that that re, re-reckoning, and goodness, that was atrocious. They, they really did that game a disservice because it was such a wonderful game in and of itself. And I quite by accident was thinking it was getting the Resident Evil 2 treatment, which is a remake. And uh, I, I, I temper my expectations with this, but I also celebrate for my friends that are so into this for Mass Effect. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to... Try that world once again. That, that world was always a little too slow-paced for me to, to get into, and maybe this will be my entryway to it, and maybe maybe there will open doors for this new game if I have not said it already. Hudson did confirm that there is a veteran team hard at work envisioning the next chapter of the Mass Effect universe. That means something within Mass Effect, not necessarily Andromeda, that a veteran team of Mass Effect creators is working on. This has got to be one of the best N7 days for Mass Effect fans, and uh, I'm there for it. I'm looking forward to it. Without a doubt, Bioware has a lot to prove in the wake of Anthem, in the wake of Mass Effect Andromeda, and really the tarnished reputation that they have, given the information that came out about how Dragon Age Inquisition uh, landed in its development problems, and then the way Anthem just really fell flat. I really hope that this this kickstarts a new mindset for Bioware and we see uh, the fresh and freshest and best ideas coming from them because they were a legendary studio to say any I mean if you're gonna say anything about it they were legendary they made incredible games and when I play Anthem uh, I genuinely loved the gameplay of Anthem but it died out it promised too much it couldn't be what it was supposed to be but flying around in that Iron Man suit such a cool feeling and there's hope for Anthem 2.0, but how much faith do we have in Bioware at this point? They have, I think, tarnished much of the goodwill. And if this remaster compilation, this legendary edition, comes out in spring 2021, and it's well-treated, it's been treated with respect and love, I think there's, uh, there, there's cause for optimism for what they're going to bring to the future. 
Very unlikely in my mind that this new Mass Effect game will be anywhere within 2022. I think you're looking at this in 2023, and you would probably want that, all things considered. By then, we'll know and understand the hardware of next-gen. Developers will be comfortable with it. And you don't want to rush games. If anything, in this past few months has taught us in the gaming space, it's that when you overpromise and can't deliver on time or you underdeliver, you either release a broken or frustrating game, hence Marvel's Avengers, or you have to delay it uh, multiple times over, Halo Infinite, Cyberpunk. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but the medium. And so it's important to see them take their time and get the right game out, for sure. I just alluded to the medium being delayed, and indeed, the Bloober team has come out and stated that they will be delaying by one month. The game will now launch on January 28th. They cited COVID-19 and a competitive launch window as their reasons. And when they say competitive launch window, Bloober very comfortably and quietly means that uh, they're trying to get out of the way of Cyberpunk 2077. That is such a massive game that CDPR is putting together, and every time they bump their release date, they really... Uh, befuddle the the plans made by other teams who would be releasing in that window, people just getting out of the way of that because all attention and eyes will be on Cyberpunk. And even if you have a fan base dedicated to checking out the medium, it's the people that the fan base has already bought in. However, it's those that would be writing articles, tweeting about it, checking it out. When their eyes are not going to be on that medium because they're on Cyberpunk, you just you really tarnish your, uh, your chances of, of gaining a wider audience. So Medium has delayed. It'll give them time to you know, continue polishing and correcting and making it truly the game that they want. I'm all for that. And uh, I can't blame anybody that wants to get out of the way of Cyberpunk. There's, there's, there's no, no questioning in that. It does weaken the already weak launch window for the Xbox Series X, but I don't think it does any damage to it. I think damage was done long ago when Halo Infinite vacated. And now, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, there's, there's simply just less to buy into right away with Series X. And that, that console should be an investment over time, not necessarily a day one you're playing everything. Uh, so, you know, take that how you will. I find that I end many a segment with take that how you will, and it always makes me chuckle because it's a really, it's a genuine statement. I genuinely mean it. Like, all right, interpret this however you like. But do let me know what you think. So many of you uh, reached out to me after I made that statement uh, a few day, a few episodes ago asking about remote play. I had a lot of people genuinely share their thoughts with me over on Twitter about how they handled remote play. And I really appreciate that. Whenever I ask and pose you guys questions uh, here on this show, because it's a solo show, the engagement and feedback I get from you comes from watching the downloads go up or from getting messages on Twitter. Of course, you can tweet me at InsipidGhost. My DMs are always open. And you can email me, insipidghost at gmail.com. And that's how my interaction with you tends to take place. You know, we, we, I build this show uh, for you guys. And I really appreciate when you reach back out and let me know that it's there when I see the numbers and it gets shared out. So I... I appreciate that so much. Now, let's talk about one of my favorite topics, and this is one that I think is perfectly suited the week before these new systems are, are launching. Right now, as of this recording, it is November 8th. That's two days prior to when the Xbox Series S and X are officially launched. We've got we've seen on the interwebs many people have, have got their consoles a bit early as they've been shipped out trying to make dates. Mine, at the, at the time of this recording, is still getting ready, but... You know, on the eve of this new generation, whether you're jumping into Xbox or PlayStation, there is no better time to reflect on what this past generation 
has brought us, these great memories that it's brought us. And in no order, I want to share with you guys some of my favorite and best moments of gaming this past generation, perhaps share stories with you. So strap in. This is a very unstructured segment, but I do hope you enjoy it. When this Xbox generation launched, I was not on board. I had been a long time Xbox 360 fan. I sold Plasma in college so that I could get an Xbox 360 and Gears of War. And Gears of War was my first venture into the Xbox world. I was so excited for it. And without a doubt, Gears of War changed my life. In fact, it saved my life right around Gears 3. And uh, with a quick digression from what my favorite generations of the Xbox One generation, uh, I will get very personal with you and tell you that uh, there was a phase of life where I was at absolute rock bottom, and everything in life is a phase, the good and the bad. And right around Gears 3, prior to Gears 3 coming out, I had lost my job. I had exited a toxic relationship where uh, an engagement was broken off, and a longtime best friend of mine uh, had, had murdered his father and went through some serious stuff. And all of those things compounded within a one month together. And so I moved back home with my parents. I was at very rock bottom. And the only thing that kept me from taking my life in a very, very climactic moment for me was the very thought at the very last moment that I, if I made a mistake and made a bad choice, I would not get to find out how Gears ended. Of course, at the time, Gears of War was a trilogy. And I resolved that if I can make it to the Gears of War 3 launch, then at the very least I can find out what happens to Marcus and find out how to, I don't know, find some semblance of hope, I suppose. Well, uh, I went to a midnight launch for Gears 3. Because back then, midnight launches meant you were hanging out with community, you were eating pizza, you were... You were having a good time, and so I was at a midnight launch, and in line, I struck up a conversation with the manager of a GameStop, and he kind of asked a bit of my story with Gears, chatted him up a little bit. Turns out that uh, that conversation led to me getting a job in management with GameStop for some time uh, before I got back on my feet truly and got back to teaching kids, which is my, my passion and my love, but it was Gears of War 3, that, that midnight launch, and, and playing that game, and, and whatnot that really brought me or began the steps towards my healing which is a really cool feeling that a video game could do that I just wanted to know what happened to these characters that I loved so much and so strongly and uh, it was an interesting interesting lesson in opening doors I suppose and uh, I keep that in mind often when, when things are down so that's kind of a cool thing there uh, it even led to at one point I got to go visit Epic Games and uh, chat with them and people can fly when Gears of War Judgment was in production, so that's kind of a neat little side side hustle as well. Um, I digress. I, I, let's talk about best and favorite games from the Xbox One generation. I was not a part of the launch of this Xbox gener uh, this past Xbox generation. The messaging of TVTV and the insistence upon Connect led me to be a PlayStation gamer at the start. A decision I do not in any way regret. I love the PlayStation Four. I think it's a fantastic system. And I, I really didn't touch the Xbox One or play it or purchase it until the Kinect got removed and we were able to play uh, the Master Chief Collection in Halo 5. And I really enjoyed those experiences, but something was missing. It's not nearly the collection that it now is. And goodness gracious, they've done an incredible job with that. But uh, it was when the Series S, the Series S, ha, the Xbox One S uh, came, was, was announced. And I saw Phil Spencer talking about it and I saw the... The idea that the Xbox One S was coming out and that new look to it, it looked so, so much better than that VCR version. And I had a sense of hope. And along with that, along with Back and Pat, man, I was just in 
on the idea that Xbox was going in the right direction. And I started to venture and switch over my main platform for third-party games to become the Xbox One S and then X once it came out. And I found so many incredible experiences there. I relived uh, all of the Arkham games again. I played them all on PlayStation. I did it all again with uh, the Xbox One S and X's. And I, uh, man, Arkham Knight remains my favorite game from this past generation. Not the best one, but just my favorite game. I love being Batman. And there were so many experiences to have there. Uh, Watching the crowd reaction when I when I look at the go back and look at the Bat Compat announcement was really cool to think about and the hope that kind of came with that brand was super fun as well and uh, eventually I ended up guesting on a few podcasts and then started talking to uh, Sean Capri who hosts the Xbox Drive a good show over there and for a year uh, I was a part of the Xbox Drive and we got to visit E3 in 2019 we were in the room for Keanu Reeves saying you're breathtaking. Uh, we were in the room for that announcement, and seeing all that was happening with Game Pass is just an incredible, incredible experience. To date, I say that my best, the best three days of my life, uh, roughly a year after, or not a year, I'm sorry, roughly five years, six, seven years after I almost made a very poor choice to end my life, I'm having the best three days ever. I'd never been to E3. I, I have a big worry when it comes to crowds, but Sean was, was a good friend in that moment, and uh, we... We went, and my goodness, just to be around people that loved video games as much as I did, that were so passionate about Xbox. Phil Spencer, I got to meet Phil Spencer uh, rather randomly in the back of a stage at E3. He was just hanging out there, and a few people saw him, and uh, I got to go up to him. He signed an ID at Xbox exclusive skateboard that is mounted on my wall right now. And it was great to just shake his hand and talk to him, and I didn't share my whole story, and, and, and goodness, that story would run long, but there was a passion and a love that comes for for being around people who love the same things and when you video games are are an incredible medium of escapism and and hope and reading and learning other stories and that's my my favorite part about it i think about those those moments there and again i talk about going through through phases of life during the early during those xbox one s and x days my wife and i were just together we didn't have a ton of money i had to sell off my entire gears of war collection i had statues and figures uh, just to help make ends meet and keep keep gaming. And uh, I can remember vividly the thoughts when Game Pass was, was announced, how much money I was going to save. I was like, this is amazing. I can now play even more games because that's what I like to do is just play so many types of games. I'm, I'm a game explorer in that sense. I'll just play games big and small. I don't, I don't really have tentpole fr- franchises that, that I only play. And uh, it, was, it was kind of just a renewed hope that even if I wasn't loaded to bear with my wallet, I would be able to play lots of games. And and now, flash forward a few more years, and again, everything is a phase. I'm on my feet quite well. I look around my room, and, and I have statues for certain games that I've been able to kind of collect back. I never got back my gear stuff, uh, but I was able to get some Halo stuff, and I'm, I'm such a fortunate individual now. And it, it's it's really cool. And I, to keep kind of going with these these memories, this this unstructured segment... The Xbox One generation brought me close to so many people, even in this past year. In this past year, Mr. Babbitt, my buddy Kevin Butler, and I, we we played State of Decay 2. We played through every Halo game in preparation for Infinite. Uh, we just turned on the Master Chief Collection and played every single one. Halos 1, 2, 3, 4. We uh, played Reach. We played ODST. Then we played five, and it was such a cool retrospective. And 
then then we jumped over to play a bit of Rogue Company, and and now we do Sea of Thieves, and every day I look forward to to their you know funny messages in our group chat, like hey, what time are we logging on? What are we playing? And just that's a great feeling uh, to be to know that we're separated by a pandemic, and that there's illness out there, and that we have to be cautious and social distance, and and to be very wise in our interactions with people, to know that you can go pick up a controller and a headset and play with your friends. And one of them is on an Xbox One S, one's on an X, one we do play with people that are on PC. And next week we'll be, well, some of us will be on Series Xs, some Series Ss, and then all the Xbox One family. And those are just cool feelings to have that connectivity and be able to make it through in gaming. And that's so dope. And then you think about, you know, xCloud xCloud like I'm I was sitting downstairs a couple weeks ago with my Razer Kishi controller and playing Minecraft Dungeons and my wife looked over at me leaned over gave me a kiss on the cheek and I was like what and she just said it's nice to have you down here and I was enjoying my video game she was enjoying her show but I was enjoying it on my phone and she was just she just noted that I was in the room and there was just another cool aspect of getting to enjoy gaming a different way and that's what this generation has really brought us is different ways to play games on different screens there was such a hubbubaloo about what it meant to be exclusive and if games can be on pc or whatnot and yeah they don't need to be anywhere they need to be everywhere it doesn't matter if it's on pc or on xbox or on playstation cross plays men i've played with a lot of people on on other platforms and that's so cool and I just I have so many great memories. Witcher 3 was one of the coolest and most incredible games I've ever played. To find out the level of storytelling that a game can take me to uh, is just is just awesome and it's, it's empowering to to know that you can have that level of agency with a character and their decisions and you know I played God of War which of course is a PlayStation game but that sets a bar for me. When I played God of War and then same similarly with Breath of the Wild, those set a bar with what I think the best first party experiences can be and what every platform should strive for and that's a conversation that's often had by xbox fans for all the incredible services we get as xbox fans and the incredible hardware that that is just so well engineered since the xbox one s and x uh coming through to the series s and x incredible hardware software needs to be top tier and right now that's something they're clearly working to and to be part of that journey is amazing and whenever you think about that, that statement, to be part of that journey, I want you to remember that being part of that journey doesn't mean you're only in that one caravan, on that one, that one group. I'm part of the PlayStation journey as well, part of the Nintendo journey as well. And that's the best part about gaming is that you can play on whatever your finances allow, but you can play in many different ecosystems and share experiences in many different ecosystems. And to be perfectly blunt, you should they allow perspective. They allow challenge. They allow change. And, uh, you know, I was looking at a news story the other day. Battlefield's coming back in 2021. Good. How great is that for Battlefield fans? How great is that for Call of Duty fans to know that there's now going to be another shooter back in that space fighting for attention? Uh, and when they fight for attention and compete, you get the best products from them. So, yeah, I suppose that's just a very – oh, good. I got, I got so personal in that section, and there's so much more to tell and a bit of a ramble there. But I hope that it came off heartfelt. I love video games, and this generation has certainly given us so many incredible moments. The first Titanfall, getting to drop down. Titanfall 2, seeing what storytelling could be in a first-person shooter it was super cool. Uh, man, I, I fell in love with the Darksiders series because of Game Pass. I love Darksiders now. That's really cool because of Game Pass. You know, getting to see the joyous 
uh, fun of Super Lucky, which I often talk about. Uh, getting to watch Sea of Thieves go from a game that I was, yeah, it was fine, all the way to where it is now, and I'm like, I mean, I'm just, I love it. It's just, a, it's a cool feeling, guys. Gaming is a great place and a great place for celebration. So uh, maybe it's this renewed sense of optimism I have from the real world, but I hope that you will use uh, these coming weeks and months to to share your joy for gaming and remember that it's an inclusive place and never an exclusive place. Hi, this is Jeremy Gritton, art director and story lead for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. With those heartfelt words behind us, I want to remind you that there are launch day celebrations happening on November 10th from Xbox to be streamed out on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Gaming. You can check the official Xbox channels for those, but I believe it's uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and they're going to have launch day events to celebrate you know, the Series S and X launches. It's not a matter of press releases or anything like that. They're just going to be there probably doing giveaways and celebrating games and spotlighting all types of creators. A lot to look forward to there. And uh, man, oh man, I'm I'm there for it. I'm ready for it. I'm excited to, to see everybody and the smiles. I'm, I'm ready for my, my scrolling of my phone to be just pictures galore of boxes that are arriving, whether it's PlayStations or Xboxes, new controllers, statues, whatever it is. I'm ready to see people happy about video games, and uh, man, I'm there for it, for sure. Let's get to some questions, right? Let's get to some listener questions before we jump into our interview with uh, Dealer Gaming, where we talk to him about the Xbox Series X hands-on. Benjamin Rivers. Goodness, Ben Rivers, man, he was on the second, he was the second guest on this show. Uh, A game developer, really specializes in horror games. Super cool voice there. Uh, Benjamin Rivers says, Will Quick Resume change how you play games? I've always liked having one story-based game and one quick fix, games like, quick fix game like a fighter on the go, but last gen made that juggle less pleasant than before. Now it feels way more doable. Uh, ben, I'm super excited about Quick Resume, and I certainly think it is one of the many subtle game chamber changers that Xbox is bringing to the table. Lacking first-party uh, exclusives at launch and in that first launch window, it's all about the features and the quality of life that they are hoping to bring, and Quick Resume seems to be one of the more special ones for sure. It's never about switching between one and two games. It's about you know, having a couple games simultaneously over the course of a week, a month, uh, several months, and being able to go back to them quickly. If I'm playing Watch Dogs Legion, which is, I'm, I'm loving Watch Dogs Legion, and my buddies are like, hey, let's play Sea of Thieves, or hey, let's play Halo, then it's a matter of just boop, boop, and over there, and it remembers my spot, and I can go back to it quickly at any time. I think Quick Resume, coupled with the the reduction of load times by way of the velocity architecture, is going to do an incredible job at keeping us from looking at our phones during load screens and getting us back in the game quickly. And that's going to be an incredible feeling. And I think that's what people are going to be talking about uh, six months from now is just how great Quick Resume is. And it will ruin anyone that experiences Quick Resume and then has to go back to old gen tech. And that'll be a funny thing. But man, I'm, I'm loving the idea of Quick Resume because I'm somebody who plays several games simultaneously, typically one story game and several uh, other games beyond that, quick fix, fix games like uh, Twin Stick Shooters. I just downloaded Tesla versus Lovecraft because I love Twin Sticks. Uh, and then I have Evergreen games that I will play. God, it's like the 14th time I mentioned Sea of Thieves. Uh, what's up, CJ? But, you know, like having a couple games that I rotate between at a given time, this feature is going to be often used by me, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. 
My good friend Kevin Butler writes in. He's at I Need a Hero, but in the three is an E in Hero on Twitter. He says, What are your predictions on stock levels for the Xbox Series X and S this holiday? In and out of stock for dedicated hunters, plentiful, none to be found. Great question, Kev. And uh, I, I think it's going to be few and far between that you see stock levels. I think it will be a high demand uh, device, specifically the Xbox Series S will become high in demand. And in fact, I think you'll see sold out everywhere for the PlayStation side as well until probably spring 2021. And then you'll see, I think, PlayStation be very rare and the Xbox Series S be very rare. But early on in the jump in, you'll have premium buyers that are going to buy anything and everything right away. And then after after that initial kind of sold out phase post-holiday, you'll see the Series S, the cheaper one, uh, be difficult to find because everyone's going to be able to buy into it at a, at a better and, and easier cost. And then you'll begin to question whether or not the Series X will be available or not because it's a matter of what games is it offering. Even though both launch lineups are extremely weak, in my opinion, there is a feeling about the PlayStation launch lineup because of Miles Morales and Demon's Souls that they've, they're bringing new games to the table that are next-gen only. Even though that's not the case, you can play Miles on a PS4, and Demon's Souls is a remake. But the feeling is different. You know, Gears Tactics is really the only you know day-and-date new game that's big under, and carries a big name for the Xbox side. The Falconeer is going to be there, but... Uh, it's really Gears Tactics, and I don't think that moves the needle. So the story of, of how Xbox sells is going to be, yet again, one of engagement, and it's going to be one where the services of Game Pass. Game Pass is a killer app, but getting the word out on that has been a struggle. They're at, what, 15 million users right now, which is incredible. They need to grow that and continuously grow that to justify some of the the purchasing they're going to be doing of studios. We know they purchased ZeniMax. That deal is almost finalized, and they're comfortable enough saying it out loud. And there is a few more coming that's going to raise eyebrows, and people are alluding to that. So, uh, bottom line, to answer your initial question, this holiday, everything sold out, man. Everything sold out. Best of luck to everybody. I'm dying to get a PS5. I cannot find one uh, right now, but I really want to play Miles, and I don't want to play it on a PS4. So, I think you'll see sold out for a while, and then kind of February time, Series X's will be easier to find, my guess. And Series S's and then PlayStations will not be. But, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm maybe I'm off base. And if you have stories of finding them to anyone and everyone out there, tweet me at InsipidGhost or email me InsipidGhost at gmail.com and let me know uh, if you were able to find them. Are you hunting? Are you looking at scalping? Uh, if you're a scalper, please don't. That's awful. You should not take uh, somebody's ability to enjoy a system away because you got to it first. Uh, just enjoy games and, and buy games. And I don't know. There's no way nice way to say that. Don't be a scalper, jerk. Dan O writes in and asks when the new Discord app will show up on the Xbox Series S and X and do it, does it need to be more accommodating perhaps than the Xbox Party system? To answer your question, Dan, I have no idea. I know that Xbox and Microsoft uh, were reaching out to Discord and trying to improve a lot of their stuff, had a lot of integration there. I don't know the logistics of that. Discord could be used to help with cross-play. Uh, chat preferences, and I really don't have a good answer for you, bud, but I didn't want you to think I was ignoring your question. I would think that Xbox is investigating ways to do it and do it well that don't sabotage the safety and the rules that they can put in place with the party system because just like PlayStation, Xbox is 
is very cautious about letting others speak into their ecosystem because when you sign up for an Xbox Live account, you agree to certain terms and conditions that can be enforced, and this helps eliminate hate speech and trolling, etc. And so when you have an outside party app on the system, you diminish your ability to moderate that. So I don't know where that will happen, but uh, my gut tells me in some way, shape, or form it will happen. It's a matter of how, and it could be that, that it occurs really via your phone device in a much more streamed, better version of perhaps what Nintendo tried to do with, with Splatoon and all that. I mean, Nintendo did it so horribly wrong, but we see the Xbox apps in, in such a great way over on the phones. Maybe Discord gets integrated into that. I don't know, man. I don't know, but good question. I just wish I had a better answer for you. Famous Seamus writes in a very interesting question, and Seamus, thank you for always writing in. It's, it's great to see your name there. But you ask, if I had to describe the Xbox One generation in one word, what would it be? And that is a complicated question, because I, I start, I think so meticulously about these things. The Xbox One generation, I have two words that bounce in my mind, but I think, uh, to be most fair, unfulfilling is probably the right word for it in that it didn't do what it was supposed to do for Xbox. It was supposed to be this end-all, be-all machine that, that was always online and really captured everything in the living room. And bad delivery, rushed design, and frustrating first party led to just a disaster of our first few years there. And a lot of that time was wasted. And I think gamers can rightfully feel like it was an unfulfilled potential in, in the Xbox One. Now that said, there's no way you can can think of it as all doom and gloom because man oh man, starting with the, the Spencer era and the decisions that he was able to slowly influence to where they are now, they they should have been dead at this point. That disaster, that launch was an absolute disaster and there was discussions of Microsoft selling off its Xbox division and, and just breaking it apart. And now we we have those redesigned Xbox Ones. The S and X are just great machines. The Series S and X are, are incredibly engineered machines. The first-party slate has been boosted by the acquisition of ZeniMax, by the restructuring, and by um, the development of incredible games. Gears 5 is getting so much love right now ahead of launch, and Forza continues to be incredible. The sea of Thieves is finding its own. Master Chief Collection has had a redemption maybe the better word is redemption because they've redeemed themselves i think in a lot of ways from that disastrous launch in fact i will change my answer from unfulfilling to redemption because they've really gone a long way to make amends through master chief through uh the sea of thieves the console hardware stuff they've really worked hard to course correct and show gamers that they are going to be in it for the long haul for goodness sakes now i can play these games on my phone that uh, I thought all I was going to do was watch TV on an Xbox you know, a couple years back. So maybe redemption is the right word. They've really worked hard to, to recover from, from where they were, and I think they're in one of the strongest places they've ever been. And they're poised for an incredible generation that is not going to be defined by console sales, but rather engagement numbers, dollars spent, time spent in those ecosystems, and I'm there for it. So yeah, you know what? Through the course of, of that thought, it's, it's redemption. That's the answer to your question. The last and final question that we get to comes from Todd Oxtra, one of the most amazing human beings on this planet, always kind, caring, and, and passing on love to his fellow man. And Todd, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate seeing your name every week. That's uh, it's the lifeblood of this show, man, when, especially when it's a one-person hosting gig. To see those regular names pop up is appreciated. And you ask, when do, when do we think 
will get first party release dates for 2021. I think you will get those release dates in spring. I think in spring you'll find out that Halo Infinite's coming out maybe in the summer or in the fall. And really, I think it should be fall. I think you should take as much time as you need on that. Uh, I know for, for on good authority that Halo Infinite had an all-hands-on-deck thing where a lot of other studios within Xbox moved over to work on and try and fix Halo and get it to where it needs to be. And that, that delay was the right choice, but... Uh, they need to get it right, and that's the the big thing. Too much turnover, too much you know inconsistent vision for what that game was. I'm ecstatic for it. I really thought I'd be playing it in two days, uh, but here we are. That said, uh, I don't think you need to find out for a little bit. They're gonna ride that launch window of, of services and Xbox One. I'm sorry, Xbox Game Pass being the killer app, XCloud being the killer app uh, for a little bit. They'll let games like Watch Dogs Legion and Valhalla and Cyberpunk speak for their console, much the way Sony was able to do for a long time in the PlayStation 4 era before their their first party hit. And somewhere in spring 2021, I think you'll start seeing release dates pop up for first party AAA titles. Double A stuff, single A stuff is going to start happening uh, pretty regularly as those second and third teams within studios start, start bringing their projects to bear. But uh, I don't think you find out much until spring 2021. And to me, that's a very good thing. I think there are a lot of people that can go doom and gloom on that and be like, well, there's no reason to buy a Series X at launch. And I think they're right. I don't think you need a Series X or Series S at launch. That's for people that want to early adopt and buy in. And I want to lo- to, to play games on that velocity architecture with no loading. I just, I want that. You know, I'm ready to, to give certain games a second chance because I'm not in loading screens for three minutes at a time. And I'm ready for people to explore what it means to jump into a game directly. Maybe they'll rediscover that they genuinely love Gears uh, in this time where Gears 5 looks better than it ever has and that DLC is coming. Maybe they'll find out because State of Decay was so often overlooked for so long. Maybe they dive in and try it out with this fast loading. And if you can't afford or don't want to buy in right now, you're not left behind. I know a lot of my friends are going to play Miles Morales on the PlayStation 4. I know a lot of my friends that are going to keep playing the games they play now on Xbox and just wait. And that's awesome. I think that's a great thing in an age where we have a blended generation. No one's being locked out right away. And in a pandemic era, I don't want things that are exclusively locking people out when they need entertainment and joy. And I don't want to be denied from playing with my friend based on what system they're on. I think it's the right choice to have the move that they're doing. And uh, my hope is that that mentality prevails. And we see some great games that are Series X exclusive, not until really fall and holiday 2021. That's when I'm hoping we get that. Um, And we'll see. Ladies and gents, I hope you don't mind the more personal aspects of this particular episode. And as as XCP continues to grow and evolve, I always wonder how much to share personally on the show and how much to keep it more informative. And it's it's a I think it's a part of a growth thing. I spoke with Dealer Gaming, who hosts the most popular Xbox-centric show over on YouTube, RDX, and he, he's a content creator on YouTube, and content creators are not typically what I bring on to this show uh, in certain senses of the term. However, you can make a comfortable argument that Ryan McCaffrey and that Andrew Renee are content creators, and I, and I would hear you very well on that. But uh, it, was, it was important to talk to Dealer for a couple reasons. One... He started something early on, and it grew to something very different to where it is now, so I wanted to hear about his struggles there. It's an Xbox-centric voice, and he's had his hands on an Xbox Series X for some time now, for several weeks. And so I thought his insight would be interesting for uh, content creators to, that are listening to this show to hear the advice that he has to see if it, it 
coincides with your goals or clashes with your goals and you could evaluate where you are there. But also just hearing hands on with the Series X ahead of launch because I am not a technically minded person. I don't have the the knowledge. I don't care about NVMe and which, which megahertz and whether or not you get a variable refresh rate. I don't care that the Xbox loads two seconds faster on one game, two seconds later than another versus PlayStation. That's not my... It's not my jam, it's not my skill set, and it's not my interest, but there are voices out there that are good at doing that. End Dealer is a very, very intelligent uh, speaker when it comes to that tech side. So, you know, find out if you enjoy the interview, please go check out his YouTube channel. Uh, he has a lot of more technical breakdowns than I could ever give you, and maybe he's somebody that you want to add to your queue for sure. I know I enjoy talking to him, I enjoy his community. Uh, they often reach out and say nice things over in the social media space, and uh, RDX has welcomed guests of all types over on their show. So check that one out for sure. And if you enjoyed him being on here, please give him a tweet. Let him know you heard him over on this show because that helps me. As I look to bring you know game developers and other creators onto this show, it helps me when you let them know where you heard of me. And if you have suggestions for people that should be on the show in the game development space, I need those. In, in, in all seriousness, right now, it's the silly season of gaming, and so it's tough to find people that are able to talk instead of trying to get their game out the door. And uh, if you would love to have, if you know of a, con- a content, of a game developer, a creator of games, story, art, that is deserving of some spotlight, please send them my way, because I would love to, to have more game developers, voice actors, etc. on the show. That's it for me, guys. Please consider rating on iTunes. It does make a difference. Have a wonderful, wonderful launch week. There's a lot of hope in the air, guys. Celebrate. Enjoy. Alrighty, guys. We want to welcome now to XCP the host of one of YouTube's largest Xbox podcasts. In fact, perhaps even the largest Xbox podcast over on YouTube. Dealer Gaming, cultivator of RDX and his own YouTube channel. Welcome to XCP, man. No, oh, it's good. It's good to be on here, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, I've seen you around the community, man. You're always positive. You're always doing work. You're always trying to look at the bright side and keep people up. Not not putting them down, and uh, again, you know, thanks for having me on, man. I've, I've uh, seen a little bit of uh, some of your shows, and and again, it's it's always quality, man. I can't thank you enough for that, dude, and I appreciate the kind words. It's a year where things have been, uh, I think, trying for many people, but we've got new consoles on the horizon and a lot to look forward to, and that's kind of been been my uh, angle of approach, I guess you could say. Now, Dealer, we've got you here to talk about that Xbox Series X. You put up a review <laughs> recently. You've had your hands on it for a couple of weeks, and I, I'm so excited to hear about it. But before we do, man, tell tell me how you got started in the YouTube game, and tell me about how RDX became what it is now. That's an exciting, exciting thing. Hmm. Well, uh, YouTube started as an outlet, uh, I guess, coming out of a bad breakup, <laughs> and I needed something to do. With myself, uh, so I, I I decided to do this and I, and I did it with an Upload Studio, right? Shout out to mm-hmm. Upload Studio, it don't work no more. And of course, uh, I think I got to about seven thousand subs with, with Upload Studio back then, you know, twenty fourteen. Uh, just on the online, being an idiot, right? We saying stupid crap I should have never said, to calling people what I was getting called and being a moron. And again, it's crazy to see this kind of blossom and build a community around a, uh, something like a YouTube channel. You know, 90% of people say YouTube channel, and it's just like, oh, Billy did a backflip and he recorded it. No, like, no, this is like a community, right? Like your podcast. Like you got people that show up, they comment, they they listen, they know you in a way, right? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. that's what – I never thought this would be a thing. So 
Uh, I, I never really tried to force it. I just did me and so many cool people and community members that that get it and they get, you know, RDX podcast, which I guess I'll jump off of. I'll springboard onto that one. Um, RDX was a was a podcast born out of uh, basically a couple of years of being asked to do a podcast, but also doing podcasts that, that I felt were kind of compromised. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it wasn't quite ac- as accurate as I would like. And, and, and again, you know, maybe I didn't want to do the show uh, in, in certain ways, and I wanted it to start when it started, and I wanted it to be a thing that people could structure their lives around because that's important. People are busy. They want to know right. what's going on. They don't need a podcast on Tuesday, and the next week it's on, you know, Friday. So uh, I don't know. That was just my – I guess that was part of it back then. And ultimately, I knew that I had been building consumable content, you know, videos uh, that people were enjoying, and it was building this channel – I started taking it seriously in 2017, and um, yeah, I said, well, uh, there's all kinds of people I've seen in the comments for years now, you know, on these videos, and they keep asking for a podcast. I knew I had the platform kind of built for that, and the first show, you know, uh, yeah, we were we were already doing pretty good. I think we had 500 listening live on the first show and 18,000 or so listeners on the first show, and from there, you know, again, because it took the time to build a platform, and I only, I only focus on that because there's so many people uh that i just want to hear that and and to kind of tell them you know if you're trying to build a youtube channel or something and you want to build a podcast you know it's it's a lot harder to do one before the other in my opinion and it's a lot more work to do one before the other in my opinion so you know if you got the platform there and they know you based off your content you know you can jump into a podcast and hopefully they stick around right absolutely and you i mean you said it started really took off in 2017 as opposed what was it that brought you to the the Xbox side of that? Like, why why choose the Xbox original or Xbox? Speak to you? Okay, yeah. so we went yeah. all the way back there. Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, I got real. I, I I went Xbox when I first learned the original Xbox. Like, had a hard drive I could stick music on, and the games were cool. Mecha Soul, the buildings were crumbling. Like, I had never seen anything like it. Right? It was a it was a powerful. It was the most powerful box of the, that generation. And uh, even though that Duke controller was trash, we all bared through it. And <laughs> we 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 had fun with games, listening to to music in the back. Like this was some crazy stuff, right? It had a hard drive in it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I remember that man. Installing stuff was a it was a new concept uh, to me yeah. as a PlayStation gamer at the time. I was like, oh, I'm I can down I can download and put stuff on the hard drive. That's wild. And so you stuck with Xbox, you know, through each generation. Yeah. What was and it about? I'll be honest. In 2013. In 2013, I was like, man, what are they doing? Like, what is this, right? And honestly, like many people, I was like, man, PlayStation's looking good right now because you guys got to really take it, put yourself in that scenario. I know there's a lot of hardcore guys. I mean, I'm a hardcore Xbox guy. Look at my gamer tag. You know, I, I play all the games. And I put thousands of hours in content, in content for, the, for, for Xbox and really what I want to talk about. But back in 2013, you know, especially then, I wasn't, I wasn't doing this. At all, I was an Xbox guy that really enjoyed Forza. I thought it had the best physics and tire modeling, um, and PlayStation was was seemingly making the right moves, or at least covering up the wrong ones. And at the at the end of the day, if not for Forza, I you know I probably would have at some point said eh, I'm going to get a PS4 first. And I can't say that for sure, but I do remember thinking that. Um, plus, that original Xbox One would fit my house, so you know it was kind of a hard choice, you know. 
Absolutely, man. Well, it certainly seems to be a far cry from where Xbox is standing right <laughs> now. And uh, I do, I mean, I know I, w- I want to talk about that Series X you've been playing with, but I do want to <laughs> learn a little more, more about cultivating that community and, wa- you know, the ups and downs of that, the frustration points. Uh, we had a, a listener write in, Killer Kel asked, uh, saying that you had bumps along the way to reach where you were. He's curious of the biggest missteps or mistakes you've made, the lessons you've learned that, that have kind of gone with you through your time and content creation. Yeah, so that's a good question. And again, I, I had mentioned it before, just saying dumb stuff mm-hmm. that to me didn't have meaning, but it was words that basically, you know, I'm being called. And, and at the end of the day, like not really thinking about what that means and, and not really thinking about the fact that, you know, um, it's not just a little, it could be, a, I, that stuff was probably said around a hundred subscribers or something. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, like even then, like I just never imagined at all. For one, I've come a long way, like in my own head, uh, you know, all the all the schooling, all the stuff, but two, um, just was an idiot. So mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest mistake I've ever made because I don't, I just don't like the fact that it happened. And secondly, the things I've learned. I mean, people will take this how they want to take it, but I'm I'm always going to be honest and real with people. When you when you start to get attention on you, mm-hmm. your friends, uh, well at least supposed. They, they they start to act different, and if you're not around them or doing what they want, you know, in terms of – I'm talking about other content creators here uh, this long ago, but, you know, they, they try to take things from you uh, or things that you did or they try to – you know, it's just people – that's what I learned is you keep, you keep your trust circle pretty tight, man, because um, most people are out for themselves, and even though I've gone out of my way to help these people and do certain things, you know, they, they want to play like we, we abandon them because we – found some traction like no i was already building this you know do you think that comes by way of of being in a content creation platform that's so competitive i think it's just people i always tell them like look i don't know how much you can cuss on here but i i always tell them like hey you guys are taking this youtube thing way too serious we're all assholes with microphones like you guys get your ego out of this right Mm -hmm. you're talking about numbers and like i'm i'm proud to have like a successful Xbox show, right? Mm-hmm. And it started just like yours, but on a different platform. And yours could be the next one, right? We, they don't all stay at the top forever. That's fact, right? Mm-hmm. So the, I think it's just people. And, and you know, they're just petty about stuff. And sure. it's really bad in this community when they don't go out of their own way, much like politics, to find out what's actually true. Um, and that's anything. So... I just try to chill. I do one to two videos a week. That's what I focus on uh, and just, you know, can't keep up with everyone I'd like to. But at the end of the day, like when you find people you can trust, man, like my like my panel, you know, we're, we're all cool and we all joke and have a blast and we all trust each other a lot. Um, but there's just people out there that they'll act like you just, I don't know, just ungrateful people. So. So that okay, so that brings me to a different question because the, the content creation side and the difficulties that come with it are, I think, well documented in some places and others that there's very little about it. Gaming Positive wrote in and said, "How do you deal with putting in hours worth of work into the pieces of content that you make uh, early on when the engagement might not be where you want it? How do you how do you balance that?" I set my expectations low. <laughs> <laughs> so like my Series X review, right? Mm-hmm. I was telling, you know, the guys, like, I don't think he's going to do as good as you guys think. You know, like, 
Um, and I'm always kind of the guy like, hey, you know, don't expect you're lucky. You're lucky you get this right. We're very lucky. We're very, very lucky to do what we do and have such awesome people that, that support what we do. want to listen to us talk about this stuff. And um, I, I, I just don't I, I didn't tell I didn't tell myself, oh, my Series X review is going to do really well. Not mm-hmm. once. I just did a, the best I could with the time I had. I ran out of time um, because I didn't have enough time to st- start making the thing until the night before, which I pulled an all-nighter, got it uploaded at 7 a.m., and, you know, ran out of time. I wanted to do more cool stuff with it. Right? Like like my montage with that bass solo and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, did the best job I could with the time. I was a little bit irresponsible. I should have started earlier. But Honestly, being honest with yourself about that stuff and, and trying to do better is important. But I think um, putting hours and hours and hours, my video is like four to 14 hours in a video, like on average, right? My mm-hmm. review of Series X was 11 um, straight, and, and you are exhausted. <laughs> you are exhausted. And, and it, yeah, it didn't do amazing at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, it did all right, right? It didn't do horrible. But I'm just saying, compared to some other stuff, like randomly, it would do a lot better. Or my video today. Or the State of Decay 2 Xbox Series X patch video. I didn't. I don't expect those to do well. I'm putting them up, I'm putting them up there for the people that are asking, and I told them I would make more stuff this week. So there I go. I'm just trying to <laughs> do what I said I do. Plus I enjoy what I do. So it was a win-win. Plus it was easier, less editing. So um, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it sucks. I think we we're talking about this before the show. When you when you make something or when something underperforms, it's hard to understand unless you're in that scenario. You do understand. And, um, yeah, don't take this stuff personal. YouTube is a, a piece of software that is controlled by an algorithm that's powered by engagement, likes, and tags. And at the end of the day, the guys that will support you will show up. And the guys that don't or feel like they don't like you anymore, you're going to have to deal with that. And it's kind of up to you how you do so. Good advice. Good advice for content creators. And I think you could apply that to uh, game development, you can apply it to really any number of factors where you are putting in effort and work on things that you're passionate about. Good advice, dealer. I like that, man. Thank you. Well, let's talk about that Xbox Series X. Now, my friend, you it is November 7th when we are recording. The show goes live on the 9th, and then the next day, many, 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 many more people will have their hands on that system, and it will only grow from there. Yeah. Uh Tell me about the first time it, it arrived and you got to open it up. What did it feel like? What did it look like? How were you, how, how did it go, man? Hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> as I said in my review, this was a – it was hard in a way that I, I didn't expect. In a million years, I didn't expect it to be hard in this way because, as you guys know, there's a, there's a pandemic <laughs> and uh, a lot of stuff going on, and, and there's a common denominator here. And a lot of this stuff came in really hot. Like a lot of these patches still aren't up. And we got a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are – and I can read these to you on your show if you want, if you want to know what's currently enhanced. Uh, let me know. But yeah, go. Um, let me switch it over HDMI's real quick. But, uh, yeah, opening the box, you know, the, it's inconspicuous, right? They sent me some other stuff before, and they just try to make it look normal. And then you uh, open it up. There's a special print on the inside of the box, you know, like Series X, pretty cool. And then you got the the box itself. And uh, when you open it up, the the Series X is laying on its side. I don't know if all of them will say it, but mine said Power Your Dreams. It had a thing wrapped around it. <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, it, it was really simple. Like it was a simple, it was a, 
it was a really cool unboxing experience because it was so simple. Like you opened it and it was literally exposed in the plastic, like kind of foam wrapping, um, which isn't normally the case. Normally there's like foam on each side. You pull it off each end, right? The mm-hmm. console's a beast. Like it's a, it's a tank. Like this thing is dead quiet, at least from everything I played. And I'm playing Gears 5 consumes 200 plus watts from, from the APU under load, max load, right? That's mm-hmm. uh, that's about as much as that thing's going to suck from the wall at any one time. And it's running some very demanding effects, so I understand why. But here are the games that are currently in my patched section. So right now, as of the 7th, you will have access to all of these on day one, by the way. Valhalla, which is currently not playable. Well, at least for uh, most of us. Borderlands 3. Uh, will be patched, Bright bright Memory, Call of Duty, uh, Cold War, which is 128 gigs. Uh, you guys, that's one mm. game. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you, you're definitely going to want to bring your external and put some games on that thing and transfer it when you're not using them. By the way, uh, you said you saw like that review. You know that I found some games that don't need to be on the internal that are actually enhanced, which goes against what marketing have been telling us. It's really kind of Sea of Thieves one you mentioned, yes? Yeah, now Aura yeah. as well. Oh, interesting. Um, Control Definitive Edition as well. Uh, Dirt 5, which, whew, that game, like, didn't have any sound the whole time, almost during the review period. Like, it didn't have any rumble. Uh, it, you know, there's the negative to getting this stuff early, I'm telling you, and I understand that more than ever now. Far Cry 6 is in here as well for some reason, even though it won't come out for 50 years. Uh, Fart, uh, Fortnite, Forza Horizon 4 looks insane, by the way. PC looks like way higher settings at 4K60. Gears 5. Phenomenal, No Man's Sky, NBA 2K21, Next Gen, uh, Mortal Kombat 11, Man Eater, Gears Tactics, uh, Observer. You've also got Ori, The Will of the Wisp, which does have a uh, 6K mode. 6K at uh, 60 frames. Like it's a super sampled 6K mode on Series X. And then it's got a 4K 120. And then you got uh, Planet Coaster, Sea of Thieves, um, Undead Horde. You've also got Watch Dogs Legion, which, by the way, this is something that really annoyed me. Um, PR sends us all this stuff, right? And, they, you know, I get an email. You want to review this? That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, send us all this stuff. We're playing Launch Dogs. We're like, we don't know. For one, we don't even know that it's not enhanced. We're like, eh, what's going on with this? Like, it looks good, like an Xbox One X game. I even said this. If you told me it's Xbox One X, I would, I would definitely believe you mm-hmm. um, because it's capped at 30. It's one of the few big games to be capped at 30 so far. And we play that for a little bit, and it has really good screen space reflection. So it's like, okay, this isn't ray tracing, but it's really good still. Is this, is this, a, what is this? And then they basically disabled the game for like a week ago. They basically disabled the game. And they didn't even contact anybody and let them know why. Like I had to reach out and be like, hey, why is Watch Dogs not working? And they're like, oh, yeah, that, that's the backwards compatible version. It's not indicative of, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> The ray tracing will be there on the 10th. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, what's the point of reviewing the thing then? You can't, can't review ray tracing at all? Uh, so it was a little frustrating because you want to and you expect to be able to deliver solid, full, accurate information when you are asked to review a system, right? That's like saying, uh, hey, do you want to review this car? And it's, uh, like a, it's, I don't know, let's say a new Mustang or Camaro. And they're like, yeah, you want to review our car? And you're like, sure. Oh, but don't go to the track or go fast in it. What? I can't test this thing out? Why am I buying this? Why has it got all this horsepower? And that's basically kind of what it was like, except for there were a lot of other titles like Observer that 
we're available for massive media sites, but for others, we can play it, mm-hmm. which I get it. Like, I get it. Like, I, there's a reason I didn't even ask for an Xbox Series X. Like, I'm thankful. But at the end of the day, like, if I were PR or Microsoft, I would have just, hey, can I, can we get a few early codes for Observer? These guys are trying to review our console, and we want it to look as best as possible. And if that's not possible, you can let us know. And we'll be like, oh, thank you so much, you know. But I just feel like there wasn't a lot of communication, which is first-world problem stuff. But you also, you know, it just sucks because you couldn't do what you wanted to do, and you kind of expected to, and you weren't told otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are like a dragon's in there too. After Watch Dogs, by the way, those are some of those. And let me double check and make sure there's not any right here that I missed. Uh, Bright Memory Infinite. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a little frustrating. We Happy Few. That's one I missed. It was a little frustrating just because, uh, not because I expected anything, but just because I would have handled that differently and, and communicated. I think communication is very important. It sounds like software has been a frustration point for a lot of the reviewers of the Series X because the the hardware seems to impress and the software is seemingly lacking in this kind of blended generation with Halo vacating and Cyberpunk being pushed and you know it, it, not having a full showcase piece. Uh, nothing new to the console until Gears Tactics, and even then, does that stand up? Let's talk specific to the hardware, though. Were you pleased with the design? Did it feel good? Talk to me about the controller. Uh, We've seen all the photos and whatnot, but when you just had it in your room, did it seem to, to fit well in your in your entertainment center, et cetera? Yeah, it's sitting in my living room right now, uh, right next to me, actually. Um, and it's on. Can't hear it. Uh, it's really quiet. It does produce heat like anything that consumes 200 watts does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's completely normal. And the fans still don't ramp up, really. I mean, you might hear like a slight... You know, it's hard to describe because it's a very – you can tell it's like it's a pretty high-quality fan, I guess. There's only one in the whole console. But it is – it's a solid box. The power button feels more – it feels a lot better than the One X power button. You'll notice that when you push it, there's a couple layers of kind of uh, resistance to it, it feels like. It's a little more squishy, but then it's kind of, you know, a little satisfying, actually, to push. And then – um yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty basic. Like, it's a rectangle with a lot of power. <laughs> It's got one HDMI port. It's got no optical audio. I did I did update my A50s. For those out there uh, with A50s, you will have to update those if you want to use them on your Series X and you don't have optical audio on your TV. And I did notice that there there is a noticeable audio quality drop-off when you update them because you're no longer going through optical. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a sound downgrade, but they do work. Microsoft did actually uh, maintain that and make that work. When we, or when I, rather when I watched your and several other reviews, one of the things they discussed was controller latency. Is that mm-hmm. something that, that uh, you could speak to now? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like I said in my review, like I was I was playing a game uh, first time, I think it was Battlefield 4. Yeah, I went back to Battlefield 4 because I was looking at the auto HDR, which is another one of the most impressive things. And I noticed the second I went to go shoot somebody, and I forgot that the low latency, the latency reduction of the box, it's on both the box and the X, the controller side. That's how they get it so low. Mm-hmm. But I forgot all about it. I forgot it was a thing, and I was instantly blown away when I felt it. Like, I, I noticed it instantly. Um, and, and I think everyone will, honestly, especially if you're the type to make sure you're always in game mode, right? You want to you enable game mode to get rid of that post-processing to make your TV's uh, response as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can just tell you're more one-to-one connected 
to your box, and, and you can really tell, in my opinion. Interesting. Share button's cool. Well, yeah, so that's the, the funny thing is that that's been on the PlayStation side for quite a while. It's even on the Switch uh, mm-hmm. Pro Controller. I dig using the share button, and I find it cumbersome right now with my Xbox One X. I'm watching you and many other creators right now use their Series Xs, talk about things with load times and whatnot, and every time I go to my One X at the moment and have to – or I want to screenshot something or I want to load something, I find a sense of inferiority and frustration <laughs> when I want to do that. Did it – feel revelatory for you to be using it on an Xbox platform, and did it feel right at home? Here's what I remember about the PS4s, because, I mean, I love Spider-Man, PS4. I love God of War, one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and, but I remember using that share button on there, and I don't, I'm don't. i sure there's a way you can just push it and take a video. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can map it, but I just remember hitting it and a slow menu popping out. Um. And that was just kind of cumbersome in that way, but there was a share button. This is, um, which I'm sure it will be like this on PS5 as well, but this is like instantaneous. So you, you can map that share button to either be a push, take a screenshot, or a hold, take a video, or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they will improve all of these things I'm talking about throughout the years. But it, it is so simple, but for somebody like me who has, you know, things that – you know, I need to share, I guess, right? We share things, right? We try to be, we try to get out there and share things and talk and put pictures out there. We like gaming. We love gaming. Um, yeah, something so simple as a share button, it really did make sharing things, I guess, more enjoyable, if not for the fact that the DVR is completely busted right now before launch. Oh, really? The preview units aren't, aren't letting you use DVR much for capture? It's actually the same exact DVR as the Xbox One X, which, you know, you probably won't like. So yeah. it has a maximum resolution and frame rate of 4K60 at 23 megabytes per second, which is not abysmal, mm-hmm. but you can see artifacting. I, I mean, that's when I started uploading 4K in 2017, that's how I did it. I have a lot of experience with this DVR. And uh, right now, like if I go to trim a clip or share a clip, it just crashes. I mean, you know, again, it's all pre-release. I'm, I, I'm assuming that it will work uh, at launch, or at least I'm hoping so. Mm-hmm. Well, how about load times, man? That's the big <clears throat> talk of the next generation. We've seen it looking great with with uh, things on the Sony side with the PlayStation 5. Of course, lots of Series X comparisons are going to come out over the coming weeks. I saw one with Avengers most recently, which is a very long load time uh, type game. Uh, did it which, stand out uh, to you? What, what, what were the results of that game looking like? For Avengers, this is a post that uh, Kind of Funny's Greg Miller had put up where he compared the PS4 Pro, the PS5, and the Xbox Series X. And it looked like Xbox Series X, if I remember, came in loading straight into, ga- or into gameplay in about a minute 46 or so. And one X or Series X? The Series X, I'm sorry, it came in what? at 1 minute and 46 seconds. This, the PS5 was uh, roughly around 2, two and some change, and then... The PS4 Pro was in the threes, I believe, and that's going off memory. But it was from from loading in the game all the way into uh, playing the game. That's how long it took. Oh, yeah. That's a weird way to judge the load times. I would have went from, like, the mission, let the mission load go. That's a load time. It could have just – and there have been comparisons for that. That was just the clip that, that I'm remembering off the top of mm. my head. Uh, game changer load times, you know, being significantly <clears throat> reduced. Was that a game changer um, for you? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I am, you know, because I've had a PC since like 2012, but I just don't, I don't, I don't want a game with PC. I don't enjoy, I'm an Xbox guy, I'm a console guy. So I have a lot of experience with SSDs, 
So if you don't, you're going to be way you're going to be way more impressed than I am. And I'm already impressed, right? Like I'm like mm-hmm. finally the speed of my 970 Pro on a console. You know, like and I, and these are unoptimized. Like they're not they're not coded for velocity. Velocity architectures like they're they're a new memory multiplier uh, feature basically where they're able to extend how much how many assets they have access to at one time. They're basically able to make the most out of the RAM because RAM is so expensive, you can't keep multiplying it. Like, you can't just keep adding it. It's just too expensive to keep adding to a console. So you know what they did? They came up with a software solution through an architecture called Velocity, something similar-ish to Sony's Kraken, and um, both have the same goal of accelerating assets and turning your SSD, essentially, into some kind of virtual memory solution that can kind of do that. So that's kind of ingenious, almost as ingenious as... uh, that auto HDR, but the load times are good, man. They're I, I think Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is like a hundred something good game. Not that it's loading all that right when you're going into a match, but that took like four seconds, right? I go click match, the match starts, it low the load screen starts, and it's about four seconds before I'm in the match. Wow. Uh, CFPs wow. I think takes eight to ten seconds right now. Uh, it's it's also not coded for velocity. That's why you can use it. Well, you can. <laughs> There's plenty of games you can't use on externals that aren't using Velocity, like Gears. They already confirmed Gears of War is not using Velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just brute forcing all those PC settings, right? So uh, it's only going to get better, and that was kind of a big point in my review after pointing out the first-party uh, support there. But if you're excited for Valhalla, man, like that game's going to be awesome on Series X. I, I can only imagine the load time. I think uh, Metro is 35 seconds, I think. I did test that on um, Windows Central with the show I did earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, that was like a two minute load time. So yeah, you've got uh, you've got a lot of performance there, all all uh, decompressing and data really quickly. And and I don't know if you heard about the PS5 back and pad load times. Did you hear about that? I did not. Yeah, people are talking about how the PS5 uh, on back and pad games it, it's like it's loading like as as slow as the PS4 Pro, and the Series X is crushing it in like a few seconds, right? Like apparently this is like it's that bad. And I just want to throw out there because I see people running with this really hard, but PS5 is using hardware back and pat. So that means that the hardware is literally trying to emulate and make the game think that it is a PS4, or PS4 Pro. Mm-hmm. And that means that means clocking and throttling certain things, and that means the SSD is not going to have all of its throughput available, whereas Series X is software back and pat, which is why they were not tied to a multiple of the CUs they used on Xbox One for backwards compatibility. And they can use full clocks, full I.O., all that stuff to get those back compat titles loaded quickly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's why PS5 is, is kind of loading some of that stuff slower. But others are loading quick. So, I don't know. It's kind of weird right now. When we take a step back and we look at what Sony's bringing to the table, what Microsoft's bringing to the table, and then, of course, Luna, Stadia, Nintendo, and their various <laughs> efforts. <laughs> and I, chuckle, I tried not to chuckle through that, but, but here we are. Um, it, Sony has this brilliant set of IP that they've cultivated in this last generation. God of War, Spider-Man are standouts for myself as well. You've got Horizon in there. People love The Last of Us. Uh, and they've got the dual sense. They're bringing those things into next-gen to to bring their audience along and hope to build more, whereas Microsoft seems to have really redesigned a lot of their, their hardware stuff, kept the controller fairly simple, also banking on load times, and Game Pass is their killer app. Uh, to your mind right now, are, are both strategies... Uh, worthwhile going forward should either adjust to to find success in next gen. Where do you feel they stand launching in uh, kind of at this early November state? I don't think their plans are all that different. I think that 
Sony's fan base thinks they are. But if they looked at Sony's job listings, Sony plans to bring their games to all devices, just like Microsoft. Their PS Now. That's why Sony signed a memorandum with Microsoft to use Azure to, to do so. Uh, they want to increase that install base. And, and remember, they can sell all the hardware they want. They're not really making any money on it. As a matter of fact, they might be taking a loss, right? We know with the PS5, with the PS3, they lost $300 per system at launch. Goodness. That is insane because of cell architecture, expensive proprietary architecture, and that Blu-ray player. Uh, so, again, um, yeah, hardware doesn't really make them the money. Again, they can lose money with that. It's the games, which I call the gas. They want you to buy the car, which is the console, so you can buy the gas, which is the thing they really make money on. And they want to sell those games and let you stream those games on 4 billion smart devices. Mm-hmm. You know, that's exaggerative, of course, but that's that's basically the gist of it. Just like Microsoft, they had the same plan. We knew they were bringing games to PC. They did, and they're not done. Like, <laughs> They, they're bringing these games to more platforms, and that's okay. I think that's great. I don't understand why people have a problem with flexibility. Like, would you hear a 3080 owner saying, where's my ex- exclusive RTX 3080 game? It's not something uh, you hear. It's just not don't. something you hear. You it's don't not, hear it doesn't it because exist it's silly. Space. It's childish. Why are you – you know what I'm saying? I'm not worried about – I think that if Microsoft can lock down Bethesda, it is great because I know that Tencent, Amazon, and Google were looking at Bethesda, something that – Microsoft won't talk about publicly, but if they would have got them, you can imagine what a Bethesda exclusive lineup on Stadia would have been like. Trash. So Microsoft grabbed them. They have the funds. They're some of the few, and I think they're going to make make those games more flexible than ever. If they want to use them as bait to lure people to their ecosystem, then that's their right, and at least you're able to play them on your phone, your Xbox of any kind, your PC. That's way more flexibility. That's a good thing, and Sony would have probably locked them down to a console for a year or two then put them on PC like they do with Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. I think their plans are more similar than people think, man. And, and with that cross-play thing that Sony pulled, acting like everything's built from the ground up, trying to pull the wool, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, <laughs> that really crushed that whole <laughs> – there were so many people on Twitter just, just got stomped so hard by that because they spent all this time talking about cross-gen, Microsoft's held back. Your games are ever. What's the point of getting an Xbox? And it's like, okay, all right, are you sure? Because now, you know, I'm getting Spider-Man on PS5 day one. Uh, I could play on my PS4, but I want that performance. Uh, you know, it's just crazy watching people dance in circles like that when their logic collapses. I don't think it matters where you play them, man. Just play on the ecosystem you like, your friends list, where you own your games. And, you know, if you can only get a game X, Y, Z, then you buy the other system if you can, right? I I would I tend to agree and I would look I would think that we're going to see sold out console space for next gen stuff for probably the next 6 months or so just in terms of supply and demand. After that though, do you think, you know, after having hands on and seeing the the slate of releases that we are privy to right now, do you think either console will kind of leap ahead or will it be be a slow crawl towards anything? Does it even matter? Uh based on based on those factors? To Microsoft, and, and now we know Sony's president and CEO said the same thing. Act, consoles are not to be judged by um, success by their sales numbers, but their active users, right? Mm-hmm. This is the, the companies. This is the way they think, right? Mm-hmm. They care about where you're signed in and what they can tell their stockholders. Um, and, you know, there might be some guy in a trash can bragging about $100 million sold, this, that, and this, and that. But the Wii outsold everything last gen, and I wasn't on the Wii, was I? Right? <laughs> because... I prefer what I preferred, and it doesn't affect anything else. Like, the PS3 did really badly at the beginning, but I I bought one. I played Uncharted 2. I love that game. 
They didn't mm-hmm. affect me. I still bought it, and they did what it took to get that thing done in price. I, I think, too, the Dark Horse Series S is, is going to be a monster. I mean, this thing is going to sell the most by mm-hmm. far uh, over Series X, and I think initially they've had a lot of Series Xs out for pre-order because they know the initial run is the most hardcore that are going to mm-hmm. want that biggest leap. And with Series X out there at $300, just crushing. That's a monster. That's a beast 1080p console for $300. It really is. Um, it's pushing similar, almost. The, I think they said the same settings as Gears, which is past PC Ultra, by the way, on Series S, right? A $300 little box, um, but just at 1080p, 1440p. And that's very impressive. Like other devs, like Yakuza, very unoptimized engine, you'll hear 900p, right? But gears right next to it, looking better, running at a higher resolution at 120 frames per second. Do the math. You know, they got half the performance out of that Series S with that Yakuza game based on how it looks. You know, no offense, but uh, just look at the game, you know. Uh, I think it's a ton of, ton of capability, especially when you start factoring uh, velocity into Series S as well, because that does carry over. And I would take, I would venture to say that it will take a very long time before we see games for any console in the next gen that really push these systems to what they're fully capable of. I mean, I think that's a pretty common analogy for any generation. It always generation. takes two years, right? It always takes yeah. two years. What do you think we'll see in two years like, on Red Xbox? Dead took how many years? Red Dead took, what, nine years, eight years? Like, Red Dead took seven years? Like, that would – imagine Red Dead coming out day one on Xbox One. Holy crap. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Very good point. I mean, software has to catch up to the hardware, and that's uh, – especially now with the pandemic. What are you looking forward to down the Xbox line then? Like two um, years from now, what do you think you'll be playing? I mean, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> we're not a fair question. <laughs> yeah, because 2020 is not a wrench in my will to guess or predict anything anymore right now because <laughs> everything's so crazy, man. Like, when I heard Phil Spencer say Forza was early development, I said, wait, what? These guys have been making t- waffles? Like, where are they, what have they been doing? It turns out they've been helping Halo. They've been putting people from Turn 10 on Halo. Um, I don't even know if that's public, but still, like, that's what they've been doing. They've been putting, they got like a thousand people on Halo at one point, trying to get this game ready. And it's like, no, dude, when we talk, when we saw Craig with no textures on his forehead, and we saw Domino's talking shit, we knew that was a problem. Delay it. It, <laughs> it needs to be delayed. So thankfully they did that. I want the best game they can make. Halo, there's only one Halo. You gotta treat the IP with respect. You can't run it into the ground, you know? So it's just hard to imagine. Based off some other stuff, uh, what this game's going to turn out like, but I just want it to be the best it can be. I want I want them to have a W, and I want the fans to play a great game. Is there a, a studio now within Microsoft's wheelhouse that you are are most looking forward to their next project of? I mean, a lot of people point to Hellblade Two, Ninja Theory. Is there is there one studio that you're really excited to see be working right now with well, they got Bethesda? Ooh, they got Bethesda. They got so machine the, games, you know? They got id, Doom Eternal is one of the best games of the generation. Have you played it? Oh, yeah. I love Doom Eternal. Ah, the game's so hard good. as a mess, though. Goodness. It's so good, man. And Wolfenstein 2, did you play that? I played Wolfenstein 2. I did not finish that one. I loved the other one. Something about 2 didn't land with me, but I, oh, I, I did. Try that I again, bro. It's so good. The story is so good in that game. I will tell you very comfortably, there are games that I have t- dabbled in during this generation and haven't yet gone back to, Wolfenstein being one of them, Dishonored 2 being another, that I'm actually waiting until they're on Series X for. I don't know if that's a, if it, why I'm doing that, but I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to wait until next for that. 
and so I think that's it. I think that's what it is. Like, you know what? That's going to be the best version. I might as well wait a couple months to see how they look, see how well, it plays. What was nice too, man, on the X already looked like the PC version, and there's a native 4K mode in there. You can turn that on the Series X, and it'll lock it 4K, which man. is something else we should probably cover. Series X is a it's a pretty beast backwards compatible machine. Like, this thing is locking frame rates uh, on Jedi Fallen Order in performance mode. Which mm-hmm. three, you know, uh, I mean, it's getting patches for a bunch of games like State of Decay 2. I've got videos of all this stuff on my channel. 60 FPS, like, they're really embracing the frame rate stuff, which is huge for me. Uh, and, and the games that were unstable are now seemingly locked, which is awesome. It, stri- it strikes me as an impressive feat that they were able to come up with all of that tech into a $500 box. I am not tech savvy, nor am I a PC guy. The two seem to be synonymous in many cases. But for $500, it seems to me there's a lot of technology packed in there with a lot of capability that many PCs just can't do. Is that? Am I reading that narrative correctly? I, well, everything I just listed is, is coming to you thanks mm-hmm. to <clears throat> thanks to – that emulator they bragged about at E3 2015 when they announced back and back. Mm-hmm. Now that's why Phil has harped on this and, and before, because when they were able to software emulate an Xbox 360 and an original Xbox now, they've only added, and make your Xbox think that it is an old Xbox. Now my Series X thinks it's an Xbox One when I'm playing Witcher 3 but also maintain those performance benefits, right, and let those clocks run full out without actually damaging the way the game runs. That is one of the – it's all software. You know, it's enabled by that x86 uh, technology in the box, the chip and all that stuff, and their API, but it's all software. It didn't cost them a dime except for to hire the people or to pay the people that have been there that made that stuff, like uh, Bill Stilwell, who we had on the show, right? He's the guy who led the back compact team from the beginning, and now he led the X, the XCloud team until it was successful. Now he's on HoloLens, right? Um, these guys are very, very smart. They figured out how to – they're, they're going to go into detail soon on how they've managed to double frame rates. So like Fallout 4, they've doubled the frame rate of that somehow without actually patching the game apparently um, and damaging the way that the game – because a lot of games have their physics, physics tied to their frame rate. So when you speed up the frame rate, your game is in double time when it, when that happens, right? And uh, that can cause a lot of issues with aiming. Like, Bill explained all this. It was such a good show. Like, he was such a great guest. He just flowed, and he just ran with everything. It was fun. But there's a lot to that, and it's all software. And that's why I say software is always more powerful than the hardware. And that's why you get these engines like Last of Us 2 looks so good, right? Running on <laughs> less less power because it's a custom piece of software that's meant to max out that box. But, again, like um, – I would say that Series X, you're going to see a lot of what Series X does actually come to PC. This does include velocity. It does include auto HDR. It does, you know, Microsoft, are, they're sharing most of the stuff that makes Series X so impressive from PC in, in the first place, right? Like the ultra settings from Gears, all scaled down. It's exactly what I said would happen. They're going, people are saying it's on PC, it's a bad thing. What are you talking about? I get features that are intended for an RTX 2080. 2080 Ti, right, brought down to my system because they already exist. Whereas a PS5 version of a game with no PC version is tuned for that RTX 2070 level power, and they're really probably not going to have a bunch of crazy features until they later build them in, which is going to be more work. So it'll be interesting to see how they 
they tune their kind of workflow. Maybe they do that from the beginning, or what will they bring to PC? You know what I'm saying? So there's there's so many layers to this. Microsoft is so far ahead on a lot of different layers, and I think BackCompat is one of them, and it's all part of kind of a complete package, I guess, huh? That's awesome, man. That's awesome. There's a lot, a lot to look forward to with next gen. And I think next week will be a very exciting week for a lot of reasons. But the, the big thing is people will have their hands on their hardware to, to really find these things out themselves. Some of these things that don't translate well into YouTube, as you and I talked about earlier and, or, or in a, a blog post that just doesn't mm-hmm. tact, it's not tactile and you don't see it until you see it on your own yeah. monitor. And there's a lot to look forward to with that. Uh, you can use you, your own. You can use your plug, like from your from your Xbox One S. You don't you don't even got to change the cords out. If you already got a two point one HDMI cable and eight eight K one, you just literally take your old box out, plug the power cord into your Series X, your HDMI cable into your Series X, and you're good to go. Use the same power cable. I mean, they thought of everything. That's awesome, man. That blended generation, I think, is going to make a big difference. And it's a strategy that I questioned, not doubted, but questioned early on, the idea that, okay, I've got an Xbox One. Do I need a Series X at launch? Do I need a Series S? And I think that question is fair to ask for everybody. But once they experience that next gen, I doubt anybody will be willing to go back after that point. Yeah, like did you buy an Xbox One X? Yeah, I have a Scorpio edition and a Gears edition. Yep. Exactly, right? You wanted that better performance, even though you didn't need it. Mm-hmm. You, you could have played on the Xbox One. It's even it's magnified so much more on this thing, though, because this isn't like <laughs> it's the real deal. So, yeah, I, I mean, I completely stand up for people to say, I don't need one. You're right. You don't need an Xbox. Go buy it on PC. They literally want you to. You can do whatever you want. No one can control you. You know, if you're not really a fan of Xbox or you don't you're not an Xbox guy and you want to go play on PC like I don't care. I'm here because I want to be, you know, I don't get paid from Microsoft. Right. So if, if they're going to sell Xboxes or have people buy them and play on them, I'm not making any money. I don't care what you do. People act like it's an insult to go buy a game on PC. It's weird. It is weird. Well, Dealer Gaming, host of RDX, thank you for joining me today, man. I appreciate you uh, coming in, giving me your impressions on Next Gen, working with the Series X. Uh, what, where would you point people to look for your content, man? Oh man, you have so many questions you didn't you didn't ask about Series X. I'm a little disappointed. What would I, you I, like, I did ramble on, like man. Thanks for listening to me ramble, though. Thanks for listening to me ramble. I did ramble a lot. Um, honestly, you can find me at Dealer Gaming at YouTube. Uh, I I space Dealer space I I on Xbox Live. Uh, at Dealer underscore Gaming on Twitter. And honestly, like, um, I think you're right. When you do play this thing, and again, this is day one. It'll only get better. They don't have zero velocity architecture games, no ray tracing games or anything from first party. Like. You're not gonna want to go back, man. Like, do you have a do you have a HDR TV? Yeah, man. See, I'm, I'm on that TCL game, that budget game. So no, we're not, not, six series we're not is a great TV there, for the money, man. Like, six, six series is amazing. Um, you're gonna notice that auto HDR on those older games, dude. And it's, you're gonna be like, whoa, like this is crazy. It shouldn't be this weird to me and awesome, but it is. Like that alone is a cool feature. So it's all about you know what you want, man. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. And uh, I don't think you'll be able to go back.